Hi, everyone. Welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bargan-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Um, good. I, like, I, I feel like I've said this for the past like three shows we've recorded, but we are recording these like somewhat out of order and it's really messed with your sense of time, my sense of like what day it is or where we are in the month. It's it's not. <laughs> is it like riding in a TARDIS in your head? Um, I mean, a lot of the times, yes, but I don't actually know that that has anything to do with recording the show <laughs> early. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> But um, we 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 are we are we are we're at now now as they say on uh spaceballs and uh, what are we recording? We are recording um something with Janet. Yes, Janet Mullaney's here for another installment of my favorite series that we do, which is Classics Revisited, where we look at period dramas from. Uh, I started to say ye olden times, but I'm like, <laughs> is twenty not twenty is is two thousand and nine really the olden times? Maybe, maybe I don't know. It was an, it was but, a more innocent time. But Janet is here because we are going to talk about the two in celebration of Sanditon returning. We're going to talk about the two thousand and nine adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma. Hi, Janet. Hi, I'm very excited about this because I think Emma is my favorite book, um, and I. I watched the series again. I hadn't seen it for some time. And I thought, you know, this is really a good adaptation. It is. It's not my favorite because my favorite, like my favorite adaptation is, this is slightly embarrassing to admit, the 1996 film with Gwyneth Paltrow. Like yeah. I said, I'm not really proud of that. But oh um, Jeremy Jeremy Northam is like the perfect Mr. Knightley. I'm sorry. Yes. He <laughs> rode through the rain. He rode through the rain. Yes, he did indeed. Did Johnny Lee Miller ride through the rain? No, he did not. Uh, Janet, I'm curious. Um, when you say Emma is your favorite book, do you mean your favorite book completely or just your favorite Jane Austen book? My favorite Jane Austen book. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking, why is it my favorite book? Because when I think about it, all of the characters are annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they really are. And I expect, oh, I'll expand on this later, but um, but the other thing I love about it is it is so perfectly plotted. Mm-hmm. It is like a work of art in what happens and when it happens and who is doing the doing. It is really absolutely brilliant. And I do have to share something with you. Uh, a lot of people think this is almost like a murder mystery. It's a precursor of the murder mystery and the mystery in this case being who sent the piano to Emma. Um, but there's also a theory that in fact Frank Churchill murders his aunt. Oh, to like get her out of the way. Oh, yes. because 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 she's gonna <laughs> because uh, Jane Fairfax is gonna leave him and go be a governess, and she won't wait any longer. So he goes and kills his aunt. He needs the money. I kind of <laughs> love that. I kind of want yeah. to adopt that as my headcanon, even though I don't know if that's like a widespread relief, relief in the literary world, but I kind of love it because he sucks. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to have to ask my mother about that yeah. because that, that feels... I was going to say, has your mom ever has your mom ever waited on it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But I, I, I feel like this is now a question I have to ask her next time I see her. And for those that don't know, Annie's mom is like a big deal in Jane Austen world. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, um, I actually wanted to... Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, um, because unlike 
you know, unlike the 1986 one with Gwyneth Paltrow or the more recent Emma with um, with uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh, I loved that one. I, I did too. Those are movies. And this yes. is not. Um, and this is one of the few Emmas that is not actually a movie. It is an act. It, it is. It is four parts. Um, it. Do you think that this is a better format for Emma? Or do you think that's part of the reason why it works so well? Or do you think that um, or do you think that a movie is better because it doesn't have to stop in weird places? No, I think I think the I think the four part format works really well. Remember, this was first published as a three volume novel. Mm. Um, and that was because of printing technology, I think more than anything else. Um, um, but it gives it gives the creators more space to do things and to add more subtleties. Uh, although I really love the 2020 Emma. I and the clothes in that are absolutely magnificent. I mean, all those seams and um, pleating and wonderful, wonderful things and handmade gloves. Oh, my gosh. I'll shut up about that now. <laughs> I will say, though, um, because the 2020 Emma was the last one I saw, which I thought was delightful as well, um, it really struck me watching this for part one how much surface that Anya mm -hmm. Taylor-Joy version was and how much deeper this this four-parter was. I mean, I think, mm -hmm. I think maybe I'm a weird purist because mm -hmm. my other, like, I love... I mean, I this I could, despite my personal fondness for the Gwyneth Paltrow movie, I can absolutely say that this is a superior adaptation. It's mm -hmm. just a superior version mm -hmm. of Emma. And I think that has to do a lot with its length. Mm -hmm. I think it's the same for, mm -hmm. um, please don't send me hate mail, Gen Xers, the uh, six hour Pride and Prejudice with Colin Firth versus the like two hour one with Matthew McFadden. And he's just, the I inferior think... Darcy. Let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Um, like it's just better because the thing is, is that so much of Austin for me is in those little details that always get cut out in an adaptation mm -hmm. to make it fit a movie runtime. Mm. And I think that is a lot of the joy of Emma is watching how every little thing comes back by mm -hmm. the end like how every little mm -hmm. like there's nothing superfluous happening going on in the story that's true like mm -hmm. every single moment yeah. has a purpose um and there's no there's no fat on this show there's nothing that's there just to sort of be there and sort of be extra padding mm -hmm. like every single th move she makes will in the end come mm -hmm. back around and every single thing that she sees has it has a reason for happening, even if she doesn't know it yet, and the rest of us do. I actually, mm -hmm. that was actually one of the other things about watching this that really struck me, is that I was trying to think, like, the first time I'd ever seen Emma. And if if I was watching this for the first time, how much of those little moments would I have caught? Because I, the first, uh, the actual first Emma I ever saw, let's be honest, is Clueless. A fantastic film. There will be no <laughs> Clueless slander on this show. Clueless is the best ever Austin adaptation. And and then I saw a real version of Emma. I had read the book and then I went and saw Clueless and I was yeah. like, huh. And my mother was like, yeah. it's Clueless. It, 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 it's Emma. And I was like, oh. And then I actually saw a version of Emma. <laughs> um, I believe actually the Gwyneth Paltrow run. Um, and I actually thought that Clueless was slightly superior, but, you know. Um, anyway, point being... Um, I don't think I've ever seen Emma without already knowing all of those things. And I mm -hmm. kind of wonder if 
does this version play towards those who are fans in that way? Is this kind of fan servicey in that way? Or is it something that, mm-hmm. like, after you watch it the first time, you're going to watch it the second time because you missed all those things the first time? Well, it's, that's an interesting point because this version uses very little of Austin's language. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. And it also, it also creates a premise which Austin does not really cover about the three um, abandoned children, Frank, Jane, and Emma herself. Um, and I think that's interesting. Yeah, that opening where the three of them, where Emma is having like the time of her life, even though she's lost her mother, mm. while while Jane and and Frank are being ripped away, um, mm-hmm. is I kind of I kinda, it kind of works for me though because I feel like there is a certain why do we care about Jane Fairfax aspect yeah. to like unless you draw like these sort of parallel lines between their lives and how they turned out as people mm-hmm. like based on mm-hmm. i mean it's fairly fairly like arbitrary they were mm-hmm. you know bored on the same day or whatever but mm-hmm. it does make it feel more cohesive mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. it also introduces a level of tragedy to this that i don't mm-hmm. usually associate with emma and that really struck me this time yeah oh, well austin's you know regarded as a comic writer but she's writing about all the serious stuff all the time and one fact in a book i have in my humongous bookcase behind me is that about marriage statistically marriages lasted about 14 years average in this period because one or other of the parents would die there would be a remarriage so there are lots of blended families around i mean mansfield park is probably the most extreme version of that but um uh, I thought it was just a very interesting take. Because this is sort of divided into four episodes, um, mm-hmm. the, the first section is kind of, um, is, is Emma sort of coming into the idea of, of, of matchmaking as a thing. Mm-hmm. And it ends kind of with, with Knightley, you know, being like, these are people, not dolls. Yes. I think it's interesting because I don't think this adaptation... Um, nor does nor does my beloved Pride and Prejudice actually actually do much with the format of it being a television show. No, it doesn't. I, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't. It's just a story that is divide that finds like pause points to divide mm-hmm. for like and next time. Yeah, I, because I, it do, like it doesn't to me like you couldn't watch any one of these episodes without watching the rest of them. Like, oh no, I don't think any of them not. have like a specific. The second episode's like larger theme is mm-hmm. this or whatever. It's all part of a whole mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. But what struck me is that it seemed like at the end of each of the first three episodes, we ended with Knightley kind of yelling at her and mm-hmm. exiting, and that's where we stopped again. And mm-hmm. it's as you say, that's partly because, well, there's a good stopping point. But I did mm-hmm. actually, I thought that was kind of striking that we have three episodes that sort of end with the two of them having yet another disagreement. And then we have episode mm-hmm. four, which, of course, is... I mean, honestly, like my favorite part of Emma is the picnic, um, <laughs> and 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 the, the the sheer the sheer misery of the picnic, and her mm-hmm. sort of like being slapped across the face with reality, and then he leaves. And so I thought I so I yes. thought that was a very interesting sort of way for the show to 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 divide itself up. Yeah, I felt with the fourth episode though, and this is something that's happened in other adaptations. Um, it began to drag toward the end, and inevitably, you know what is going to happen. 
Um, but this happened in the Kate Beckinsale version, which was the Andrew Davis version, which isn't seen very much. But bizarrely, Mark Strong was cast as Mr. Knightley. Very, very peculiar. But um, then, you know, they had this massive great wedding feast thing uh, where Emma seemed quite happy hobnobbing with all the farm labourers. It was very, very bizarre, and it was so much filling space. But I felt this happened too, because there is a point in Emma when we know what's going to happen. Emma is unsure, and she's in sort of limbo. And something has to fill that and flesh it out, and I think that's very difficult with a TV or film adaptation. What I thought was weird is they sort of skim over... Because one of the parts for me that feels a little bit cathartic is after Emma realizes that she's in love with Knightley and they work it out. When she, it, it, this one skips completely over where she has to tell Harriet. Mm. Yes, it yes. does. And I feel like that's a really important moment for her because it's very like Emma's growing up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. still shows you like the the things that she has done in the past that she still needs to like clean up her mess or whatever. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you know, one thing this this series also did, it um it suggested that Emma thought she had arranged Knightley's brother and her sister's wedding. That she was the one who got them together. And that's when her career as a matchmaker started. That's true. And 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 even though she didn't. And it so it, in a way it's like the whole sh- they really sort of draw that she has a reason for thinking this, even though she's completely wrongheaded. Where most, yeah. where most other adaptations, she's just wrongheaded, and we start there. Um, mm-hmm. And I, as you say, I think that's partly because we have so much space that they have room to sort of add these little details in that actually aren't in the book. Um, because I'm pretty sure that part isn't in the book. Yes, and one thing also that I thought um, was a bit off was when toward the end Knightley goes to London to see his brother mm-hmm. and you had the impression that he was just there to sulk and sort of slop around on the sofa drinking beer but in fact he is there to talk to his brother because he's what he is doing in marrying Emma presumably they will have children is that he will be disinheriting his brother and his brother's sons and it's a big deal it's his duty to do that. They do touch on that a couple of times in yeah. here, just by Emma offhandedly mentioning that she doesn't think yeah. that, you know, there's going to be any threat to the inheritance of her nephew. Well, really, why shouldn't Knightley marry? And what has he been doing all these years, going over and sitting around with Emma's dad? And uh, I love Emma's dad. I just love him. I love Michael Gambon. Oh, you know, I think he's sort of monstrous. I mean, he's horrible, but in like a cute way. He's like he's like afraid of germs and the outside. Poor people. Like, yeah. Well, well, you know, he's he's trapping Emma in that house, just like you saw the poor little kids being trapped in the carriages and driven away. Yeah. No, that that that's very true. That you have that sort of uh that that Emma is just as trapped as the other two. It's just that she can't mm-hmm. leave while they got to leave. But she got mm-hmm. to be happy in her cage while they did not. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and I think also that Emma doesn't realize she's in a cage. In fact, um mm-hmm. one of the moments that sort of startled me mm-hmm. um isn't just that we sort of skip the whole like um oh and Harriet falls in love with Robert Martin after all stuff. 
It's that she and Knightley get together, and then the next thing you know, mm-hmm. she's running at him and screaming, we can't get married, and runs out again. <laughs> and there's, like, yes. no transition. I yes. actually really loved that. That felt that felt so true to me to who Emma is. There were a lot of terrific moments in this where Emma sort of looks wide-eyed at something somebody has said or done. I mean, it's all part of Emma being educated. And I think that's amazing that Romola Garai got away with this trick so often. And it was so effective every time when she had a realization about these people she'd known all her life. Um, and I thought she was amazing as Emma. Absolutely brilliant. I have loved her for so long as an actress Mm -hmm. and she is so underrated. And I think she is incredible in this part because unlike a lot of other versions I have seen, she is really willing to let you see how ugly some of the things that Emma does are Mm -hmm. and how ugly, Mm -hmm. like not her spirit, but not quite not her spirit. Like Emma's not a great person. No, she's not. (laughs) And, and the show doesn't ask you to, like ignore that which is really mm-hmm. i think rare mm. yeah because for all that i understand why you like the gwyneth paltrow version because it does have a perfect nightly gwyneth paltrow really doesn't want you to think that she's a bad person and the movie yeah. doesn't want you to think she's a bad person mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. not and the same with anya taylor joy even though like even though i love that version i love the outfits i love bill nye as her father um mm. i think it's hilarious the only time we get to see her ugly is the picnic, which I think is part of the reason why I mm-hmm. like the picnic so much, because that is the mm-hmm. moment where, like, they drop all pretense and we get to see that she's ugly. Whereas in yeah. this in this show, even though that still is my favorite scene, there's so much else that gets to build up to that, mm-hmm. that the picnic is almost mm-hmm. more effective here because we have seen her be ugly and people politely ignore it or, poli- or, or, or just kind of cover over it or turn away. She's so horrible to Harriet. She's so horrible to Harriet. Oh, she's awful to Harriet. Harriet's yeah. so um. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 I hate to say it because I feel bad. But Yeah, but the fact is that Mr. Knightley sees the good in Harriet. Mm-hmm. He's actually an, a- I mean, he really is an ally of hers. Mm-hmm. And it's not romantic, though Harriet, of course, thinks it is. I think the difference between Mr. Knightley and Emma is that he sees the good in people as they are, where Emma mm-hmm. ascribes some level of goodness to them that she wants them to possess. Yes. Mm-hmm. She, she doesn't see clearly because she doesn't, get out enough. I mean, she is in the house with her father. She's never been to London, which is like half a day's journey away or less because Frank Churchill can go there to get his hair cut. <laughs> They're very close. And she hasn't even been to Box Hill before. Mm. And uh, she's just been stuck at home. She's never gone to visit her sister in London. I mean, it's so she doesn't have very much experience. And also because she is the daughter of, well, not a major landowner because their estate is quite small, but she's the daughter of a prominent gentleman in the area. She doesn't get invited to everything. And in fact, Miss Bates has a far better social life than Emma does because Miss Bates gets invited everywhere. And she always enjoys herself and she tells people about it interminably. But 
But, you know, I mean, there's a wonderful, wonderful twist in the book where Emma gets all bent out of shape because, um, because oh, her name's gone right out of my head. She's, she's one of the lower down people in the village, has a party and doesn't invite her. Mm. And it's partly because Emma is seen as too grand to be able to come out. Yes. But the fact is, is that Emma, you know, it actually sort of puts, a, when you say it like that, it puts a different twist on Emma's matchmaking too, because it's mm-hmm. literally all she has to entertain herself in that house is to imagine these people and make up lives for them and try to make them follow her little stories. Well, I mm-hmm. think it's also interesting. There's one scene where she's, I think she's talking to Harriet and she says something basically like, oh, I don't have to get married because I have money. Yeah. And I'm just going to be like rich and single forever oh. living in my dad's house. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really, like most adaptations don't put it like quite that straightforwardly, or at least they don't put those words in Emma's mouth. Yes. Like that's mm-hmm. a remarkable level of self-awareness about that one particular aspect of her life and like the most like jerkish way possible yeah and and, well because it's something that almost no other woman has of her Mm -hmm. acquaintance or really in this world um and it means that she has a level of freedom that none of the others do and she sort of it's like she 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 rides around on her privilege without even realizing just how privileged that really is Mm -hmm. i find that speech absolutely chilling it's like i'm going to isolate myself from the world in my exclusive little environment and uh she doesn't have any friends really that's why she gloms onto harriet and i mean i think it is just awful and um you know she the only the only single woman she has to compare herself to is miss bates whom she despises because miss bates is not smart. Um, she's the sort of person who's unintentionally funny. Um, I, I think there is a trend now to view Miss Bates as being this character who sees and knows all. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think she is. Um, she is a woman of low understanding, as Austin says, uh, but she's a conduit. Anything that's said to her, she remembers and she reproduces. So she may seem to hit on the truth occasionally. But it's like a stopped clock. Yes. Yes. Right. Um, I always, I always thought that it was uh, her mother who was the quiet one who, who who saw all and knew all, and was probably smart enough to say, to to know what was going on and smarter to keep her mouth shut. Yeah, because you don't find out she can actually speak until the end of the show. I know. <laughs> um, so I also um, one of the other things I wanted to talk about with this adaptation is that um, one of the things that Lacey and I have, I, 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 is it the first time you've joined us for class to visited Janet? Um, because one of the things that Lacey and I have a tendency to say when we do these is they don't make them like that anymore. Um, and that's true when we did Brides Had Be Visited. That's true when we did both the mm-hmm. the Jane Eyre and the Wuthering Heights. Um, and I looked at this with the eyes of do they make them like that anymore? And what I was struck by in this adaptation is how much this is a half step between the older versions of masterpiece things and what became the new standard with Downton Abbey. That we have these, Mm -hmm. um, so like when Robert Martin comes to the house in that first episode and we have this long like shot behind him of the grounds, we have, we we slowly caress over the house. Mm -hmm. 
those sorts of long shots are the kinds of things we used to get in those older versions where where everything is stiller and quieter and takes longer. But the energy mm-hmm. of the actors and the energy of what of of the action on screen feels much more modern than in like these slower versions. And I mm-hmm. I wondered if either of you guys like had thoughts on this being a classic like that. Do you feel this is more Downton Abbey-ish, or do you feel that this is that this is still too slow for 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 a modern audience? Well, I think it's slow, but it got away with it. Mm. Because, as you say, the actors are so good. And there is so much also in the book about property, about land, footpaths, Mm -hmm. homeless people roaming the highways and byways. Um, I thought it was entirely justified. It worked. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, the other thing about, um, about... Emma marrying Mr. Knightley, since Emma is the heir, Emma or her sister would be the heir to Mr. Woodhouse's property. Once everybody's married to everyone else, it would just be swallowed up in Donwell. Mm. That's Knightley's estate. Mm. And uh, was it slow? No, it didn't feel slow. Lacey? I think this was about like the perfect length for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't feel like there was too much of anything it didn't super feel like it was missing anything i don't need all that crap about land <laughs> like same way i didn't need all the stuff about the entail in down abbey even though it was like, <laughs> um, but i think i think it does a good job by its characters which is really like the mm-hmm. most important thing to me in these adaptations because that's mm-hmm. what i care about in terms of the story and i think they do for the most part get the characters right i have some quibbles and i would love because i think this is honestly just a spot on uh romola gray is a spot on emma the adaptation mm-hmm. is a spot on take on the character i don't know if i feel the same way about mr knightley mm, okay well Full confession, I think Johnny Lee Miller is ugly. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it's just- wow. We bring you the in-depth, thought-out uh, criticisms here on television. I don't get Mr. Knight. Yeah, he is my lead. I don't love him as Mr. Knight because he is just kind of... Boring. <laughs> well, I think I think Mr. Knightley probably is rather boring. I mean, he's been calling on Emma and her father every evening for years, um, which makes him seem a little pervy, quite honestly. <laughs> and, um, he's quite a bit older than her. He's settled. He's respectable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, what I don't like about Mr. Knightley, and I this came as a shock. When he says to her, and I can't quote it exactly, you have borne what I have put you through, what no woman should. And it's, and I find, I mean, it's modern sensibilities, but for a man to admit that he has basically bullied her and manipulated her for years is pretty horrific. I will uh, take the stand as the Mr. Knightley defender, but I don't particularly enjoy this Mr. Knightley because I think the problem with this Mr. Knightley is not Johnny Lee Miller's level of attractiveness. He's fine. Um, Although mentally now- Eight out of 10. Mentally now, I kind of associate associate him with the elementary. Mm. So I'm like, is he on drugs? I don't know. Or (laughs) 
but um i don't like this mr knightley because i don't think it balances out the 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 bully parts because he's Mm -hmm. horrible to her through like a lot of this he's so mean to her he's so rude to her Mm -hmm. he does not give her the same grace he extends to harriet half the time and if he's trying to like Mm -hmm. educate her or whatever like he sucks at doing it and i Mm -hmm. don't think that the i don't think this version balances out i know i keep coming back to jeremy northam looking all like hot and sad being like i rode through the rain (laughs) but i'm like that is just very formative for me i'm sorry but I don't feel like there's an equivalent moment for that Mr. Knightley here. Like, I feel like he goes off to London to sulk and be, like, in his man pain or whatever. But I never mm-hmm. see that big, like, declaration moment from mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh, of course yeah. I'm in love with you because it's Emma and Mr. Yeah. Knightley is in love with Emma. But, like, I don't feel, I can't pinpoint the moment where he decides that he, like, either has to fish or cut bait with her or whatever. I can't pinpoint the moment where he decides to like tell her the truth about his feelings. Like I just, I, mm-hmm. there's no turn for me from the bullying to mm-hmm. the dream man. Okay. What they do um, is that they put that moment where he overhears them reading the letter about Frank and Jane Fairfax. And mm-hmm. that literally has nothing to do with Emma. Right. But he <laughs> yeah. thinks that she's heartbroken and so he rides to her rescue to basically be like mm-hmm. that bastard. How dare he? And then he gets there and he says, that bastard, how dare he? And she's like, uh, I don't care about that bastard. And, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. How dare he? But yeah. like, I'm over that. Yes. Like that was like three scenes ago. Um, like, yeah. Yeah. But the irony of that moment, you know, here's, here's Mr. Knightley who knows everything, finding he's like Emma. He doesn't know anything. Mm. And I mean, Mr. Knightley, I think is you have to see him on a journey of getting more and more bent out of shape. Um, there's the business with Mr. Elton, mm-hmm. and then and then the revered, legendary Frank Churchill comes to town, and he and Emma are all over each other. Mm-hmm. And what's he to think? Mm-hmm. And I don't. I mean, I think he's probably been planning to, you know to get ready to fix starting to propose to Emma at some point. But it's jealousy, sexual jealousy, that propels him into it finally. Yes. I, You know, he could have gone to Emma and lectured her and said, well, you're, you know, you're a really stupid girl. You've had two men fool you in this book, movie, <laughs> TV series. <laughs> um, but he doesn't. He goes in there to comfort her. Mm-hmm. Then he starts telling her how he's bullied her throughout the whole series. Because one of the things I do love about their dynamic is that they're friends. Mm-hmm. Like, I love mm-hmm. I love a good, like, friends to something more romance. And that dynamic yeah. really speaks to me. I think it's very, you know, I think there's something really appealing about this person knows the absolute worst thing about you and loves you anyway. Mm-hmm. But I just need it. Like, I never got the big romantic moment for them. And that mm-hmm. really bothered me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I, I definitely feel like it was muted. Um, but again, I think that as as Janet pointed out, you know, the that the ending kind of stretches there, and because they've sort of stretched, and because they don't have the Robert Martin and Harriet getting back together, we just sort of jump to their wedding, and everybody's like, "Oh, look, look, they got married anyway! Isn't it great?" Um, <laughs> that, that we sort of that there's a level where they sort of muddles that bit. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure, I, I don't know why they muddle that bit, um, mm-hmm. because you could get, like, 
serious drama out of both the nightly declaration even though you know riding through the rain is actually pretty dangerous and i don't recommend it um so don't try that at home folks um i uh i I say you can try that at home you make that big gesture (laughs) please no um people might sue us if we if they do it like fall off their horse into the mud or something um anyway i i um and then you get the low of Emma having to basically abase herself to Harriet and say, listen, I was so wrong that I didn't even realize I was in love with this dude. And now I've ruined your life by accepting his proposal. And they never even let Harriet get mad at her, which no! also like is very annoying to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I think that's partly in, in, in how dumb they make her. There's levels where... There's different levels of dumb that Harriet gets depending on the production, and this mm-hmm. one really does lean into the idiocy, which I think is part mm-hmm. of what I. It's why I don't like Harriet in this version, like at all, um, because she just drives mm-hmm. me up a wall and back down again, and I cannot, I cannot understand why Emma even wants to be around her, other than she's that pliable. Um, like mm-hmm. it's like having an imaginary friend or like a piece of clay as an imaginary friend. Well, no, I mean it's like it's yeah. like that stereotype in every kind of YA fiction where mm. it's like the popular girl has to befriend like a, a a not popular girl to be like her hype woman or mm. something. Yeah, but Harry's mm-hmm. not even a hype woman. Like Harry's smart enough to hype. She's just there to giggle. <laughs> like it's yeah, well, no, but she agrees with her all the time, I and I think that's all Emma wants. Mm. Yes, well, she's she's intimidated by Emma. So, you know, if Mr. Knightley is bullying Emma, Emma is bullying Harriet. And Harriet is also conscious of class. Mm. You know, Emma is Miss Woodhouse all the time. Mm. That's true. That is true. Question for the group. Is Mr. Elton the worst man on earth? <laughs> no, Frank Churchill is. <laughs> oh. Ooh. I mean, I don't think I don't, everybody dodged a bullet with those two dudes. Sorry, Jane Fairfax. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I, uh, Mr. Elton is, uh... Mr. Elton is just, like, creeper vibes mm-hmm. all over for me. Like, Frank Churchill is just, like, kind of a D-bag. Yeah. Like, I've just seen that guy many times in the real world, mm-hmm. but, like, yeah. Mr. Elton feels like he could go to jail at some point if that makes sense <laughs> no i 100 percent agree with you like mr elton is the dude who comes over to you in the bar and gives you your his number and then you realize that he's following you home like he is oh, not geez. he is not okay or he like calls it in the bar yes. like you give him a number that's like one off of yours and he calls you like while he's standing next to you to make sure it's real yeah he's that guy <laughs> um whereas i'm sorry frank churchill is like a frat boy i mean i've seen that oh. frat boy with that sorority We've all girl. dated that guy. We've all dated that okay, guy. Okay, I did not date him. it was a mistake, and we all are like, oh no, but we've all dated that guy. <laughs> I did not actually date well, that guy, but that was more luck than anything else. I think Mr. Elton is a social climber. Mm, yes. I thought you were going to say sociopath, and I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Well, no. sociopath, social climber. Um, Frank Churchill is a sociopath. Frank Churchill is a sexual predator. <laughs> I mean, what? All the secrecy for no reason. And the fact that he's playing Emma all the time. She could have fallen in love with him. Mm. I mean, there's that amazing scene where he says to her that she knows what's going on. And um, she knows his heart. I mean, that could be seen as a declaration of love. Mm-hmm. And he's so he's playing... Um, Poor Jane Fairfax, who is 
trapped with her aunt and her granny and um and has no way out and then is taken up by Mrs. Elton. Now Mrs. Elton, I think, is the worst person in the book. One, she is very, very annoying. Of course, they're all annoying. I mean, it is what Mr. Elton deserves, but yes. still. Yes. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes. And um, and she is like an Emma. She's like an Emma without Emma's basic goodness and the kind heart that we finally see. Um, you know, she wants Jane Fairfax to be her little dolly mm-hmm. and mess her around and get her a job, which of course is the worst thing that Jane wants. And meanwhile, Frank is, I mean, he is not a nice guy at all. Uh, I have to say, like, the more the more you talk, the more I can see why you've decided that Frank Churchill killed his aunt. Like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I, I get it now. I, I get it. Um, I will say the one thing about Mr. Elton in this version is that he's played by Blake Ritson, who is um in the mm-hmm. Gilded, he's the son in the Gilded Age um, of, a, mm-hmm. of, of, of a Christine Baranski's character. Um, and- Wait, the gay one? Uh-huh. Whoa. Right? Did not realize that. And so, like, I really had that also as, and, and this, that's probably unfair in the same way that, like, Mr. West and I kept looking at him and thinking Anthony Strollen. Um, and that, and, 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 and uh, <laughs> right? Like, I got, like, and, and this is part of the problem with the fact that the BBC only has like 20 actors and they all show up in everything. Um, yes. Like Tasman Grigg. Yeah, I love the lady who plays Mrs. Bates. Oh, uh, I, 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 wait, Mrs. Bates or Ms. Bates? Miss um, Bates, sorry. Miss Bates is Tasman Grigg. Um, yeah, I and, love her. Yes, she yeah. was in Belgravia. She was. <laughs> and a um, million other things. But. Right. Um, but that sort of... Uh, the other thing, uh, uh, Augusta is played by Christina Cole, um, who is sort of like a poppy sort of character, a uh, poppy sort of like celebrity in, in the UK. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I just, I always... I, I think I think of that very ironically that that's who they cast against uh, <laughs> uh, 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 the Emma here um, is that she is sort of like the poppy version of her um, and more vulgar. Like I I I always thought that was slightly deliberate. Um, I do. Oh yes, I do hate Augusta for the record. Um, I think everybody is supposed to. Yeah, but there's a there's a lot of uh, things Austin says. Well, not a lot, but just a few to pinpoint what Augusta is. She's nouveau riche. Mm. She comes from Bristol. Nouveau riche in Bristol equals slave trade. Oh. Yeah. So that's where her family's money came from. Ew. Yes, and mm. and you know, Suckling Grove is a you know slave trade mansion and and she is just so horrible. So she is sort of trying to claw her way up the social ladder too, because she's not quite on the landed gentry um, level yet. Oh, also, um, uh, uh, sorry, I'm I'm on IMDb scrolling down. <laughs> uh, Mr. Elton, he played a good clergyman mm-hmm. in one of the Mansfield Park versions. Oh, really? It was an awful version. Yeah, yeah. So there you are. Mostly, mostly I just mostly I just remember where I saw them last, which, as you pointed out, Mister Knightley, Johnny mm-hmm. Lee Miller was a, a last uh, really missed cast as um mm-hmm. in, in the Crown. 
Oh, right. Oh, yeah. I almost, I totally forgot that he was doing that. I will say that the thing I loved him the most in, if nobody has ever seen the National Theater version of Frankenstein, where he and Benedict Cumberbatch traded roles every night between Victor Frankenstein and the creature, it is one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen. Oh, wow. Watch it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I. So, in terms of Jane Austen, so let's bring this back to uh, present day. Yeah. We have Sanditon season three. Um. We have, you know, we we we're sort of due for another pass. Um. At mm-hmm. some of these other Jane Austens, we've just had an Emma. Um. Would you mm-hmm. like to see more movies, or would you like to see more Jane Austens in? a four-part series or a six-part series like Sanditon is now? I'd like more TV series, but I really think that maybe the genre needs a rest for a bit because they've been coming out bang, 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 and then they stop and then they start off Mm -hmm. again. So I'd like to see someone take another crack at Pride and Prejudice. Mm -hmm. You know what I want? I want somebody. I I agree on the TV series front. I just think movies, for the most part, though they are enjoyable, are not as enjoyable mm-hmm. as the sort of longer adaptations that give the story and the characters mm-hmm. and the language time to breathe. Um, I would really like to see some. I would. Well, number one, we don't speak about the Netflix persuasion, but nope. I would really love to see a TV <laughs> version of Persuasion. I don't know that they've ever done one, and I think that that would be. I think that could be really lovely, and we have. They did one years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think the seventies. Like, I'd love to see that, or I'd love to see yeah. like um, Mansfield Park, or I mean, we do, or or we do Pride and Prejudice and Emma and Sensibility like to death, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like we do the other half. Mm-hmm. Now that I've said that about a TV persuasion, that is what I want. I think <laughs> that would just be really lovely, but keep everyone involved in the Netflix version away from it. I had this thought, um, especially because I'm watching this and I'm also watching Sanditon at the same time. Um, Would there be, because, you know, BritBox is kind of doing this Agatha Christie uh, extended universe, um, you know, connected universe over on BritBox. Would we like to see one of these streamers, either either Masterpiece for PBS Passport or for BritBox or for Acorn or AMC or whatever, do a interconnected Jane Austen universe on TV. Oh, that's an interesting idea because... um, I I don't know if I need to see like Emma Woodhouse and Lizzie Bennet hanging out though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if I see them hanging out. Maybe like Lydia runs away to the town where where Anne lives now (laughs) or something. I don't know, but... Yeah, there there are books that are done. There's a series of detective novels where Jane Austen is a detective and she blends in characters from all the books. I think it is Stephanie Barron. I'm not actually sure. Um, but that would be interesting. And it's also a lot of fun to think about it. Um, I mean, for instance, how about if you had Miss Bates and Mary Crawford hang out together? Mm, yeah, because I don't think... Wouldn't that be a lot of fun? As, 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 as Lazy points out, I'm not sure we need Emma and Lizzie to hang out. And I don't think they <laughs> would, honestly, because I don't think they'd like each other very much. But there's a lot of secondary characters yeah. who I could easily see crossing into each other's worlds. Um mm-hmm. You know, like Mrs. Bates basically chatting at like Mrs. Bennett, 
You know, like I could see <laughs> like that sort of scene and like Mrs. Bennett trying to figure out how the hell she gets away from this. And like Miss Bates mm-hmm. just keep on going. Um, like I could totally see like those kinds of crossovers. And I think mm-hmm. that is more of what I would expect out of mm-hmm. a connected universe. But, you know, especially mm-hmm. right now with streaming basically desperately trying to plug the gaping mall at all times, you know, Jane Austen, there's six stories. You can you you can make them into sort of a one world. Mm-hmm. And and why not why, why haven't we tried this yet? So I just I was curious how you what you guys would think of such a thing. I'm not saying that I wouldn't watch it. I'm saying that I would be apprehensive. Okay. Fair. Mm-hmm. Um I think also it would matter who worked on it. You know, because Andrew Davies is sort of like the person for Jane Austen, but he's done basically mm. all of them now. He's done everything. Mm-hmm. I think he's just having fun now. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't feel like he would be someone who would be involved. But who would then? Um, would we have the people from Sanderson do it? Because I'm not sure I really want them to do it either. Um, sorry, Sanderson sisters. Um, you can tell I'm not so hot on. Well, we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, that, it was just a thought I had as I was as I was watching today, and I suddenly, suddenly thought mm-hmm. of like tried to picture Britbox basically announcing they were going to do like a, a, a Jane Austen extended universe, and like I don't know, had weird yeah. flashes of like Avengers E, except you know with bonnets. <laughs> yes, I must say one <laughs> of the more recent spins on Jane Austen. Well, it's actually, it's not that recent now, is it? Was Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I thought it was terrific. I uh, I wasn't so thrilled with that, but I dislike zombies. The books are actually, the books are actually much better than the movie, mm-hmm. despite the fact that Lily James gets to like stab zombies in a corset. That part's <laughs> great. But the books are better. Yeah. There's also a, um, oh, what is it? I think it's Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. Like they were doing like <laughs> a whole series of, Austin heroines like fight monsters, I guess. I don't know. Yes. Um. Yeah. I. I. I didn't watch Pride and Prejudice and Zombies past like the first five minutes, but I hate zombies. So you know, I. I. I feel like this one that wasn't that was definitely not rated for Annie. Um. <laughs> may, maybe Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. I could. I could maybe do a Sea Monster. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that is our. Uh, we all. Everyone thumbs up on the on the revisiting of 2009 Emma. I really like. I really enjoyed it. I'd forgotten how good it was because I hadn't seen mm-hmm. it in a while. I'm literally waiting for everybody to give me a thumbs up or <laughs> yeah, not. They're yeah. not doing it. So I'm assuming the answers are yes. Oh, yes. Definitely a thumbs up. Yes. Oh, yes. The answer is absolutely yes. In <laughs> fact, I had forgotten just how good it was until mm-hmm. I started watching mm-hmm. earlier this week. And then I was just like, oh, wait, I have to stop between episodes because I have other things to watch because life is short and peak TV is fast. I know. It's good. <laughs> I approve. Mm-hmm. Um, that mm-hmm. is our Classics Revisited on Emma 2009. If you have suggestions for things we should cover in this series in the future, email us at televisions at weta.org and we will see what we can do. Um, Janet, thank you as always for joining us on the pod. Oh, well, I invited myself here. <laughs> And I'm very glad you accepted we me. We don't mind having I liked, you. I'd like to talk about Emma. <laughs> Tell the people where you live online. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I sort of lurk around on Twitter. I really don't do much on Twitter. Um, let's not get into that. Um, I have uh, two accounts on Facebook. I have Janet Mullaney and I have Janet Mullaney writer, I think. Or is it Janet Mullaney author? How pretentious was I feeling that day? Um, I... I you can see pictures of my cats and 
things in the garden. And um, occasionally I will, when I remember, I will promote pieces I've written for televisions and uh, not enough of that, sorry. Uh, but yeah, I'm there. So come say hi. Annie, your turn. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle, basically around the interwebs, um, in- including Twitter, because I have not actually left it yet, and probably won't until the heat death of the universe or Twitter fi- or f- Twitter finally crashes one less time, whichever comes first. Um, let's see. I am uh, the associate editor here at Televisions. I also write for Best Life and occasionally over at MSNBC. Um, and you can basically find out where I've been writing this week by following me on Twitter, because I basically put out all my bylines on socials. Um, yeah, so yeah, come find me, follow me. Uh, there's pictures of my cats on Instagram at any bundle there too um they're very fuzzy and 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 fuzzy 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 huzzah i am lacey mb on twitter and virtually every other social media site in existence so i don't know i write a lot here at televisions i write around the entertainment web i always tweet my bylines come give a girl some clicks uh if you just want the site and the pod they are on social media at telly underscore visions on twitter and televisions blog all one word on facebook Say hi to our intern, Emma, who is currently running the socials and doing a pretty great job, if I do say so myself. Hi, Emma. We love you. Um, What else? What else? <laughs> we live at televisions.org if you want to read our recaps. News pieces, features, interviews, all kinds of stuff is up there. And if you like what we do, you can click on the donate button up top to help us keep making all of this great content. And while you're there, you'll get access to PBS Passport which has just a tremendous amount of exclusive early special binge opportunities for things that are airing now and in the months to come. I'm trying to remember if Emma is available on it. I think it is. I should have checked before we made this show. (laughs) It, it was, I think it will be again shortly. If, if I hear correctly. And it's on BritBox too. It's on BritBox. We try to only do these on things that it's easy for you guys to find and watch online. Some of that is challenging. Like I said, if you have a classic we should revisit, we are at televisions at weta.org. And that's our show. Thanks for joining us. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Get a COVID booster if you are eligible. Take some allergy medication if you need it. And I don't know, pet a cat if you don't. Do something nice for a neighbor or a stranger. You'll feel better. I promise. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>